0: we are clearly defined by as Christians. And and we've talked about that we want to be authentic. We want to live a transformed life. And today we're going to talk about something a little bit different, kind of hits the home and and with the holidays. But here's what I want to ask you. The first question I want to ask you today is this. Did you ever, ever in your wildest dreams want to grow up and be famous or rich? Let me me just, who didn't? Okay. I mean, just if you ever wanted to be famous or if you want wanted to be rich, or, or maybe for you, you knew exactly what you wanted to be and you became it, right? And it wasn't famous and it wasn't rich. But maybe some of you shot for the stars, didn't you? And you shot completely, completely for the stars. And you might have made it, you might have not. But I, I say that all this because I think sometime in your life, you have thought about this, or someone has told this to you, and this is what they've said to you. And you've thought this, is that what would happen if you inherited a large sum of money? Or what would happen if you'd win the lottery? Now, you've thought about that. I know you've thought about that. But some of you are like, well, that's never going to happen because I don't even play the lottery. But just you, you you can think about it. And the reason is, is there's reasons for answers and and everything that people say and the, the things that people say is i want to buy a new car i want to buy a new house i want to buy my mom car or I, I you know i i want to you know invest it or i want to do something with all my money right the money i get and here's the here's the funny thing that i it kind of cracks me up and mean i kind of chuckle is this people go well pastor if if i get some money then you know what i'm the first thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna give it to god I'm going to give some money to God. I'm going to give some money to the church. I'm thinking, okay. And But really what they're saying is, hey, God, if you ever drop money in my lap, I promise I'll give you some, right? They're, they're hoping that he'll give you some money, then they're to give it to the church. But the, I, I say all that is, is for this reason. I think there's an assumption and a view of wealth that is unhealthy. I think there's an assumption, and I think there's a view that we have as a culture that is unhealthy healthy. And, and what I mean by that is because whether you think it or not, you look at people who are rich and famous, and what happens is, is here's what you believe, or not even believe, but, but what is said. And we know it's not true. It's that you're happy if you have more money. Now, we don't believe that. I mean, we don't necessarily think that's true, but yet our actions prove otherwise, don't we? Think about it. If I ran into a large sum of money, what would I do? I'd get out of debt, I'd buy my, my, pay my house off, right? I'd down, down, uh, downsize on, and, and pay off my student loan. So we've all thought about it. We don't think that, see, we don't necessarily believe that more money is going to make us happy, but yet our actions and our thought process is, yeah, if I had money, then I would do certain stuff. And the more money I have, we think the better off we will be because our situation will change. And we think, if I have more money, then I have more opportunity. But you do have opportunity, and things will change. You know what happens if you get a lot of money? You'll be viewed differently. If you became rich and won the lottery right now, your family and people would be knocking on your door who have never talked to you in years, right? Things would change. And not only that, but you would change. You know where your security would be? It would be in money. And then when you don't have a lot of it, your position and your security and be shaken, then you'd be concerned and fear and worry would begin to come in to your life, and you begin to worry about all this, 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 what I don't have when I was secure, right? But but here's here's the the thing that we need to have, we need to have a different view, and what I mean by having a different view on thing is this: I think we think as ourselves as not being rich. But I think we view ourselves as not being rich because of the standard and the measure by which we measure ourselves. So we have a standard that we measure ourselves by that is thinking we're not rich. But you know what the standard is? Is we look around at all our friends and we look around all these people and we go, well, I don't have a nice truck and I don't have a nice this and I don't have a nice that. And we compare ourselves and our standard is the people around us. And it's our neighbors and it's our friends and it's our coworkers. But here's the standard you need to, to view yourself as. The world standards. See, you're rich according to the world standards. What do you mean? Well, think about this Americans, here's what we have we have work clothes, we have workout clothes, and we have clothes we do yard work in. Correct? And not only that, but we have houses that have this little thing on the wall that makes our house cool and it makes it hot. We have A.C. and and heat. And not only that, but we walk out of our nice climate-temperatured houses and we walk into our cars that for some of us don't have A.C. like me, but we do have heat, right? But we have a car to drive. We're not walking everywhere. And then think about this. Then when you come home from work, you tuck your nice nice little car and you tuck it away in the night into this nice carport or this nice garage, a climate-controlled garage, right? Right? But yeah, yeah, well, hold on, but but we're not rich. Yes, we are. We're very rich according to the world standards because most people, if you go to another country, which I've been to, you walk into their homes and there's no AC and there's no heat and it's a dirt floor. And some of them don't have cars and they don't have workout clothes. They don't have work clothes. They have clothes that they play in, that they work in, that they do their stuff in. See, I think what happens when we have a healthy view of money and we have a healthy view of wealth, then I think things begin to change for us. And so what needs to change for us, and if we begin to have this healthy view of money and healthy view of, of wealth, then what are we supposed to do as a follower of Jesus? What are we supposed to do with that? Well, Paul explains in the book of Timothy, and when he writes to Timothy, now when he explains this, he talks to Timothy, and, he's, and he says Certain things to Timothy and what he wants them to do. But before he does that, you got to understand about Paul. What Paul does is Paul begins to write letters to people, and he writes letters to these churches, and he gets these churches to align, and he wants to encourage them to walk in the direction that the Lord has for them. And when he got, gave these letters, you know what they did? They would have this letter, and they just bust it out, and they'd start reading it from Paul, and they'd read it, and it would help encourage and build up the congregation. However, when you get to First and Second Timothy and Titus, Those weren't ones that were read for the congregation. It was for Timothy. And see, Timothy was pastoring these people. So what Paul would do is he'd write these letters and he'd say, Hey, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to correct you because pastoring is hard. And these people have problems. And you you need to tell them this and you need to do some things. Well, here's what Paul decides to tell Timothy. He deals with the people who are after money. And see, he says, look, they're not content. See, you know, Timothy, here's what you need to say to these people. Stop trying to find contentment in money. Stop trying to find happiness in money. And and Paul would say that the things that you need to be content about are the necessities, food and clothes and water. And he says, you don't need to be chasing that. And and you you know the famous verse that he says, if you chase after that, then what happens if you have a love for money, then you're going to have a lot of problems. And it's the root of all problems. And it's the root of all evil. So he says, stay away from loving money. They shouldn't do that. But then he says, he gets to the other part, he talks to the rich. And he says, here's what I want you to do to the rich. They're not going chasing money and they're not doing things, but I want you to tell them one thing. And it's very important. And, and people like you and people like me, here's what he would say. And it's found in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 at the end. He says this, Command those who are rich, you and I, in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Now, pause there. Notice he just doesn't say, tell them. Make a suggestion. He says, command them. Like a military officer to a soldier, you command them, those who are rich, to be present in this world, not to be arrogant. Now, why would he say not be arrogant? Obviously, because the attitude of arrogance rises up. An attitude of arrogance and prideful comes against God, and it comes against other people. And what would rise up is this, this attitude of arrogance. And they thought they were better than everybody else. That somehow, if I had more wealth than you, then I was higher on the, on the social line and social status, and I was better than everybody else. And so money, what money would do was money had this, this poor concept and, the, and it would and it have these false values for people. And so after you get the, the, the tension between the classes and you get the war between the classes, there was underneath this line that this, this deception was happening that because I have more than you, then I am better than you. And so what they would do is they would just go around having their, their, their wealth and showing off impressively to other people and looking down about other people. And the danger was self-conceit. So they begin to to be arrogant, they begin to do this stuff, and Paul says, I don't want you to be arrogant, and I don't want you to be prideful. If you think that money puts you in a different class and a different thing than other people, then you've got it wrong. So I command you, Timothy, to tell them not to be prideful. And then not only I, I don't want you to tell them to be prideful, but here's what he says, I don't want you to have them put their hope or their trust in things, because let's be honest. You trust in money, it's risky, isn't it? Think about people who have put money in the stock market and have lost their retirement because the stock market fluctuates. Think about people who have, who have done things and, and bankruptcy has increased and they have to file for bankruptcy. Their life comes crashing down. Look at the world. You see governments who are falling because their money's failing. Their, their country's in disarray because of the social economics of their country. And then you look, and you look at it, that inflation pops up, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't afford anything. And then you might look at your savings, and your savings is drained. And see, putting your hope in money, he would say, is this misleading and it's mistrusting, because you're putting something in that is unreliable and not reliable. So I don't want you to do that. So here's what he says. Don't put your money because it's unwealth. But here's the next part. He says this. It's so uncertain. But here. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our what? Enjoyment. So I don't want you to put your money in something that is uncertain. I want you to put your money in something that is certain and you put your hope in God. The one who richly provides for each and every one of us. And so he, he gets to this thing, because the natural tendency for you and I is this. Our natural tendency is to think that we have done things on our own. That where you have been and where you are today, we each, every one of us, our human tendency th- is to say this, that we got there and it was nothing that God did. It was nothing on his part. And if you look at successful people, they think their success has come by what they have done and their hard work and their intelligence has gotten them to the place without God's provision. And it's hard work, and it's, and it's their intelligence, and it's their, the, the things that they have done that have got them to the place. And they would say, it's our mind, it's my effort, it's my energy, and it's every opportunity that I've had that has gotten me to where I am today, that I am successful because of what I've done. And somehow God's out the window. That's what money does to us. And if anybody knew about this, it was Moses and the Israelites. Did you know this? That right before he goes into the land, Moses begins to warn people. And here's what he says If you go into the promised land, which Moses is not going, but he says if you are going in there and you begin to settle down, don't forget about God. Because if you forget about God, it's going to be dangerous. And so he gave them the antidote. And we sing about it. The antidote is praise, that you must praise the Lord. So when you go in there, he says, and you sell down, I want you to praise the Lord, because if you don't praise the Lord, if you, if you don't do that, then you'll forget who God is, you'll settle down and make all these riches, and then you'll just kind of disobey his commands. And so what Moses would say is that Israelite, who's not praising, who's not, you know, have God on the forefront, here's what they would forget. They would forget where God took them. They would forget the miraculous thing that he did in Egypt and took them out of Egypt. They would forget how bad it was in Egypt. They would forget that they were once slaves and God delivered them. They would forget that God provided water and manna for them each and every day and they didn't have to worry when they were in the wilderness. They would forget all about that. And so when they would get successful and they'd start building and they'd build their houses and their homes and their riches, you know what they would say? And he said this. He warned them. He said, you would say, who is the Lord our God? That we would forget and that the Israelites would forget. And see, so he warns of destruction, that if you forget God and forget where, where the, the stuff comes and the wealth comes from, then you, what will happen is this, is that destruction will happen to your life. And that you'll begin to look at yourself and you'll begin to go towards other gods and that's when it will happen. And see, it was no different for the Israelites and it's no different from you and I. That we can come to a place where we're so wealthy and we're so well off that we forget that it was God who gave us this. That God is the one who richly provides for us. But now he kind of goes and he switches gears. So he switches gears from giving the dangers of it to now giving us the opportunities. Right? So he says, if Paul says, if I want you to refrain from something, then I want you to engage in something. And here's what he says he wants us to engage in. In verse 18, it says this, Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So I want those who are rich not to put their hope in God, but I want them to do this, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So he would command them in this way that what I want you to do is do good and share. That's so what he wants you to do. And, and he'd say, Timothy, I want you to command this church. I want you to tell this church, the people who are rich, the people who have this money, who have unsurmountable wealth that God has given them, I want you to tell them to do good and be willing to share. And I want you to tell them that it's not about the possessions you have, but it's about what you give away. That somehow that God's desire and God's heart for all of us is this, that he richly blesses us so that we can richly bless other people. And he says that generosity and goodness kind of align and they accompany with one another. Now here's what I know. I've been here for what, five, six months? I know that this church does this well. I know you guys do this well. I have seen it. I've seen you guys do good. I've seen you being willing to share. I've seen it. Because I can tell you this, if there's ever an issue or never a problem that arises with somebody and they ask for help, they get it. Nobody begrudgingly does something for somebody else. If they need something done, they do it. If we need to share something, you share it. And see, here's the thing. You will do it no matter what the cost is. And it's great about this church. I th- I think personally... Watching you for six months, can I tell you this? I think it's the heartbeat of this church. That no matter what, you are willing to do good for somebody else in the congregation, and you're willing to share of what you have to other people. And I would encourage you to continue to do that. And continue to do that, because here's what Paul says. And Paul says this, verse 19. And you know this because you do this. It says this. He says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That when we do good and we share, we're willing to share that we, and you know this, that you don't store up things that are on this earth, you store up things that are eternal. And that you build a firm foundation, not here in the now, but in the future. That what you do and what you say and, and share and what you're willing to do good, what it does is it impacts the kingdom of God. If this doesn't impact people right now. It impacts them for the future. And see, the firm foundation that he's talking about, it's not some slab of a building. It's not some, you know, a, you know, some nest egg that you have packed away. It's not your retirement. He says, no, what it is, is this. The firm foundation is do good and be willing to share do good and willing to share. And he says this, that if you financially give of your your financially give and you give of your time, that you just don't do something for the physical, it's as if you do something for the eternal. And that people might be touched in the physical, but really what impacts them is their spiritual life. And he says, you will store up treasures in heaven. So, as he goes on, Paul would Paul would kind of lay this down. And he would say to Timothy, I want you to command these people to do this, and I want you to tell the rich people to do this, but here's what he ultimately would say. And, and, and he would say this, that life isn't about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. Say that again. Life isn't about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. And he says it's not about gaining possessions, it's about giving it away. It's not about focusing on the material. It's focusing about the eternal. Now, here's what I can tell you. Generosity does not make you poorer. It makes you richer. What? Yes, it actually does. Here's why. Because I say this, you are rich because you're making an impact in the kingdom. That when you begin to give and I begin to give, here's what happens. People's lives... And their situations change. And people are impacted. And we begin to show people the heart of God, the compassion, the grace, and the mercy that he had on us. We begin to show that to other people. And it doesn't make us just poor. It makes us richer and richer for the impact of the kingdom of God. Now, it's going to be a choice, right? It's a choice. And the choice that we have to do today and the choice that we have is this, that we have to give God our treasure, our talent, and our time. Now, I know the first thing, as soon as I say treasure, when you talk about money, everyone goes, oh my gosh, money, I can't believe this, and you kind of shut off and the pastor's talking about money. No, 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 I'm not talking about giving to the church. What I'm talking about is just... uh, is giving and being willing to share with other people. Now, here's, here's what I'm saying, and, and here's why some of us get kind of shaky and the pastor's talking about money. It's because our security is wrapped up in the money. When you start talking about money, people start to worry about money. They start, and, and here's what they think, that if I'm generous to other people, if I'm generous with my money, then somehow the fear is this, that I'm not going to have enough by the end of the month that I'm afraid that something's going to happen, that I'm just going to run up. And then fear sets in and fear takes root. Let me tell you this. If you, again, if you are placing your trust in something that is uncertain, then it'll most definitely happen. If you're placing your trust in something that is certain, what do they say? God is the one who richly provides for you. Here's what I tell people. God's pocketbook is bigger than you can ever imagine. And if it's God's money, then why not? be willing to share and so here's the other thing that happens with this with money. when people come to come to Jesus here's what they say God, I want to give you everything I'll give you everything and everything man ah, my money <laughs> right God I'll give you my life I'll go to the ends of the earth I'll do all this stuff but somehow when it comes to our money this is, there's a slow process of giving God our money and giving access to our money. Guess what? It's his anyways. It's his. And so we, we have this idea and and we're slow. It's like God, well you nah, no, the money, uh God, it's really difficult. Look at it. Let me just tell you this. As Christians, we should be known as the most generous people on the face of the earth. We should Be willing to share. And the world should see a difference in Christian's life because the generosity we have. And people should look at us and go, oh my gosh, your generosity, it is so unbelievable. I can't even, I I just can't believe how much you give. And ultimately, when we're generous, who are we pointing them to? Our God in heaven. And they see something different about our lives. Again, God's pocketbook is so much bigger than you can ever imagine. Third, the second thing is this: talent. You give God your talent. Now, again, I think you guys do really good at this, and I think, and I believe and I've watched the talent, and I'm talking about talent what I'm talking about is gifts, that God has given you gifts and He's, and he's given you talents to benefit other people. Now I've watched this that some of you will ask for something and you will get help, and some of you have given your, your talent to help somebody. If somebody needs something fixed, guess what? If you can do it and it's in your skill set, guess what? You'd be more than happy to fix it for someone. If you can move somebody, you'd be more than happy. And you can lift stuff, you'd be more than happy to move somebody. Right? You, you'd be more than happy to do something. You're, you take your talents and your gifts and your skill sets and you give them to the Lord, and the Lord, what he does is he takes it and begins to benefit other people with it. Now, not only is it just your skill sets, but guess what? God in everyone in here, God has given you a gift. And he's given you a gift for the church. He's given you a gift for the church. And that God wants you to use your gift. That God doesn't just not want you to sit on your gift. Some of you are very, you're just incredible with, and you're wired completely different than I am. And you can bring stuff to the table and, and benefit this church the way I couldn't, the way my wife can't. Because God has given you a specific gift. And you're sitting here right now, and God wants you to use that gift, and he wants you to give it to him. See, some of you love children, and you love being around children. Guess what? Maybe God has put you, put in your heart and given you a gift to minister to children. Maybe God has given you a gift where you're kind of, you know, you're just really good with technology. You could help with, with the sound and the audio and stuff like that. Maybe you just love people, and people energize you. Someone, someone comes into church that you just want to give them a hug and you just want to say hi. How's it going? And and see, God has just given you that gift and He's wired you that way. So maybe you just need to start making this place a, a place of welcome and hospitality towards people. See, God has done that for you, and God wants you to use it. But guess what? You have to give Him it and let Him allow Him to use that and cultivate that for His glory. And finally, the last thing is this is time and. I, I said it again, you guys do well at time. You give of your time and you don't begrudgingly give your time, but here's what I want you to figure out, time in this sense. I was reading a book called Missional Quest. And in the book he says this, the two authors say this, they say that hospitality requires generosity. That if you're going to be hospitable, generosity is required. Now, you have to do good and be willing to share. Now, here's what I wanted to talk about when he talks about hosp- hospitality. He says this, the author says this, that once you know that God wants to bless you, and that you can bless others, then you we tend to give away material possessions, and we tend to help other people out with food, clothing, water, all that stuff. But then he says this, but also share a welcome. And I read that, and I was like, welcoming and generosity are hand in hand. And he would go on to say this, that and think about this in, in terms. Do you really spend time with people? Do you really, and he challenged me, he says, do you really open your home or open your life up to other people? And I sat there and I thought, no, we don't. What do we do? We go to work. Well, first of all, we get our kids ready or we, we try to go to work or we try to get ready for the day. And it's crazy. We go to work. We come home. We just go go down we we don't want to be bothered we want to relax and we can't even think about entertaining or we can't even think about being hospitable can we nobody wants to be generous out of 8 hours of work no one wants to be generous when you've been in school either till 4:30 or 3:30 in in the afternoon nobody wants to entertain do they but he says this that if you're going to be generous then you got to be hospitable and that you're going to have to spend time with people. Now, I know that's tough, but what he says is, he says, I don't want it to be a burden. I want it to be uh, something that you build in the rhythm of your life. And whether you do it at your house, or whether you go out to a restaurant or whatever, he says this, He's, he he basically says that you can do it, you just have to build in that rhythm, and it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. So maybe you just start with once a month, and then you can move to bi-weekly. And we're not just talking people in church, we're talking people at your work. talking people who don't know jesus because they begin to see the generosity and the hospitable they what do they see they see our heavenly father they see something different about us and finally this when you have your your treasure and you have your time and your resources wherever they are right your heart will be see if i want to know what's important to you i can look at how you spend your time and how you spend your money and that will tell me what is very important to you. And when someone looks at your life, they can do the same thing. And that's why God knew that your heart is tied with where you spend your money and where you spend your time. And see, God wants your heart. And I've said this before He wants it completely, He doesn't want it divided. God's not out for your money, He's got plenty of it. God's not out with your talents either. He can use somebody else. And He definitely doesn't need your time. You know what He wants? with your heart. It's a hard issue. That's what God's about. He's about getting your heart. All that other stuff is secondary to what He wants for your life. And so, where your heart is, here's the thing, you've got to focus on what is spiritual and not material. And so I wanted to ask you this, three questions. Where your heart is, because I know this is a little tough and I know it's a little hard, but here's three questions I want to ask you to where your heart is currently. First one is this, is, can you throw it up on there on the screen? What concerns me more, how much money I have or how much of me God has? Think about that for a second. What concerns me more, how much money I have or how much of me God has? Second question is this, do I spend more time caring for myself and my home than helping other people? Good heart heart indicator. Third one is this. Am I confident? Do I have confident about the future because of my bank account? It's really tough. It's really hard because that's a heart issue. And God wants your heart. And God is the one that's given us the wealth. So guess what? Do good and be willing to share. God has given you talent. So do what? Do good and be willing to share. God has given you time, so do what? Do good and be willing to share. Why? Because life isn't about what you have. It's about what? What you do with what you have. And we want to be people that steward what God has given to us because he has richly provided for you and for me, and we want to bless other people. So let's bow and let's let's pray. Lord, I I thank you, God. This is a tough topic. Because, Lord, I mean, when you talk about our time and our treasure and, and stuff, and, and it really shakes us up. But, God, I pray you'd shake, shake us up in a good way. That, God, that we would really truly find our hope and our security in you. And that, Lord, we would just be a congregation that gives generously to those who are in need. That, Lord, we'd be a congregation, Lord, that we said that would be authentic, that would live transform, transformed lives and that, Lord, we would give generously. That, that's what we would be known for. And, and in turn, Lord, as we walk out this week, that's what we would be known for and that's what people would see. And ultimately, Lord, that they would see you and glorify you in heaven. So, God, I pray that if, if there's just just an area that you spoke to us today, would you just heal us? Would you just strengthen us? Lord, if our, or if our trust is somewhere else and not in you, Lord, would you fix that? Would you just help us? God, and today as we walk out, Lord, may we just continue to be encouraged that you are working and willing and doing your good in our lives. So Lord, whatever we have to offer you, we give back to you. And we just want to be people who are generous and live generously because of what you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.